Left. Right. All right, you're about to get a kick out of this episode tonight. We're talking about sex in Japan, the Olympics, and the anti-sex beds that the Japanese Olympics Committee installed in the athletic dorm rooms. Some funny stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. We get a little deeper than just sex at the Olympics. We talk about sex as, as like a world trend and a Japanese trend, where it's going, what's happening over there. I think this is a pretty cool episode. Let me know what you think, and I will see you on the other end. Thanks for joining. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. This is episode 119 of Sip Talk. My name is Justin DeJulia out of my basement in New Jersey. I'm joined by James, the Bosonator Boswell out of San Diego, California. James is a philosopher, an accountant, a referee, and a bartender, all in the professional sense. Thank you, James, for joining, as usual. Uh, the Derf will be joining us later, and uh, yeah, I'll be doing this cast and Thursday's cast from San Diego before returning back to less sunny Charleston. Very nice. What uh, what are you drinking over there? So I got Sierra Nevada Wild Little Thing. It's a like slightly sour ale, which is it's just really good. It's like fruity and sour, but still has like a little bit of a beer to it. And it's got I, a it's got a trippy. It's got a kind of this this neon pink color trippy looking can. My guess is it was gonna just by looking at it was it was either a weird IPA or a sour beer, but sour is what is what I thought first. So. Yeah, that's what I try to drink most of the time. And uh, then I've also got some scotch on the rocks, but it's missing the umbrella, so it's not a true scotch on the rocks. Mm, that's that's too bad. That's too bad. What kind of scotch? Johnny Walker Red. Uh, same bottle? No, no. We're, we're on to the next bottle this week. You're on to the next, so you, you finished the one handle, all right, that had quite the dent in it last time. Um, all right, cool. So I'm back in the basement. I'm not in Rosh's Rosh apartment anymore. I got a plethora of notes here. Tonight we're talking about sex in Japan. So I imagine you know what got me tuned into this this topic. I'm guessing you went on a trip to Japan and didn't get laid. <laughs> um, I did go on a trip to Japan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... What got me what got me tuned into this is I started seeing all these things on social media about these cardboard beds in the Japanese Olympic uh, dorms. So if you I think we might have talked about this when we talked about the Olympic suicides and the kind of sacrifice to be excellent podcasts that we did last summer. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was a while back. But, we, you know, we were talking about Olympians and kind of the stresses of being an Olympic athlete. However, something to note on the Olympic athlete stage is these are some of your most physically fit humans. And what comes with being super physically fit is a lot of testosterone, typically, and also a rocking body. So you've got a bunch of people that got a lot of testosterone pumping through their system. Everybody's in good shape. And uh, this is and kind of like three weeks and your events go for like two days. Yeah, and you typically have a shit ton of free time. So 
Um, you got these guys that that are you know all all hopped up on endorphins and um, and what ends up. But point is, I don't know you know all the ingredients there, but point is it it has typically resulted in a lot of sex. A lot of the uh, a lot of the interviews with Olympians they they mention how much sex is happening in the uh, in the Olympic dorm rooms. Uh, Rosh, don't worry. David, David is going to join us in just a minute, um, and then he's going to leave us pretty soon. So, I wanted to talk about sex in the Olympics, and uh, and then specifically because the Olympics are being held in Japan, I wanted to talk about sex in Japan. So, for those of you who don't know this, the Olympic dorms have been <laughs> built with these cardboard beds, and it seems to be that the beds were built at, out of cardboard as some type of sex deterrent. And the Japanese are claiming that this is to basically to deter sex, which will deter close encounters, which will help keep the spread of coronavirus at bay. James, are we on the same page here? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so this is wild, right? Yeah, because like that's the reason why you go to the Olympics. To be like the gold medal is one thing, but to be able to get laid with people from all over the world that are all in fantastic shape. Uh, that's got to be a pretty strong motivation. Well, you know, I never, I never actually thought about that as a motivating factor to get to the Olympics, but, but I'm sure, think. you know, I'm sure there's some, you know, icing on the cake type, uh, type situation with, with the additional sex that comes with being a world champion. Um, although traditionally, world champions uh, have a lot of sex, I guess, but probably not the women's shot putters. So maybe not. Maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, maybe with some of the. Never mind. I, I'm not going to get into bashing the um, men volleyball players. But <clears throat> I don't know anything about men's volleyball. Um, as a former volleyball player, I'm going to have to defend my cock <laughs> uh, against the female shot putters. Yeah, male volleyball players are just like tall and lanky. Um, okay, I uh, never mind. You got the height there. So, <clears throat> so either way, we got a lot of sex going down in Japan. I, I did. Is joining us. Cool. I did read uh, a comment. Uh, it looks like we're doing some removing of headphones, adjusting of audio, so that both participants can hear. And it looks like David has pulled up an actual lawn chair, and David is sitting on like a. It's, it's from the pool. Dave's got a pool chair. And then we got David uh, on the pool chair and James in the, the camping chair there, the one you see on the we're, side. We're of the... still sleeping on air beds. Very Perfect. nice. Pretty much. So, so David, if, you, if you're just kind of getting caught up, we're talking about sex. We're talking about the cardboard beds at the Olympics. You heard of this? I did. But did you see the Australian athlete that posted a video of him jumping up and down on it saying... We're good. This is solid. <laughs> I, I did see one of the female track and field uh, track and field teams, and there was like four jumping on the bed, and they're like, "We we think we can at least get four on here." <laughs> so I can I can work with four. Yeah, uh, and you get the gymnasts involved. They don't even have the bed. They can do trapeze and shit. Yes, but I mean, I, either way, that I, that's just a bit of a funny to me a really kind of funny element of, of what the Japanese are doing uh, and they're and they're doing it in the name of anti-coronavirus so 
that's especially uh, especially funny. So, where should we start when it comes to sex in Japan? I sent you guys a few articles today. I don't I know if you guys got, you, you got through them. So there there are some cool stuff. I highlighted some interesting Japanese terms, which I thought were were pretty funny. Um, because we don't really, I mean, they're actual words that mean something. We don't have words like that in, uh, in English. For, for example, we got, uh, I'll just give you one. We can hit some more in a little bit. Soshu kuke danchi. Soshu kuke danchi is, means herbivore man, or basically grass eating man, which is basically men who refrain from pursuing sexual relationships. So if you have the rest of this podcast be you trying to sound out Japanese words. Look, it's the it, the things like nineteen letters long. Sosho kuke danchi. Japanese words for Justin to try to read and define. Well, there's there's a lot more. Either way, the okay. Japanese have a word for grass eating man or herbivore man, which which refers to men who just don't pursue sexual relationships. We, you know, we we don't have, we have a phrase for that in English, but we don't have an actual word for that. So I think that's that's pretty indicative of where their culture is that they actually have a word for it. The phrase "neckbeard." They pursue they, poorly, but what about not, just asexual? Is that not a word? Well, yeah, and I think they they might have a word for asexual, but um, but I I just like the comparison to grass eating man. <laughs> As, uh, uh, as a visual. So, look, uh, I'll, I'll start with my narrative in just a second. I want to throw a quick PSA out there. Uh, so I've been, I've been getting really angry on my, on my rides in on the train. So I'm kind of deep into Jersey. And uh, when I get on the train, there's not many people on the train. And I see people sit in the, in the train seats that seat four. Like they're kind of facing each other two seats facing two seats and I'll see like a single person just sit in that chair. And now I'm just like, well, we got another hour long on this train ride and you've just taken four seats when you only really need to take one. And that becomes an issue when like families are on top of each other down the line, the train gets, gets pretty packed. And I just think that's, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. I get it. The train's empty, but you really don't need that much space. Now on the ride home tonight, and typically on the rides home, there's not as many people on the train when I get on and it empties out throughout the journey. So oftentimes, if it's a really empty ride, I'll sit in a four seater and I'll throw my backpack on one seat, my computer on another seat, the notes next to me, and I'll have my, my phone in my hand or whatever. However, tonight I went to do that and this family of three got on after me and I could see they couldn't find seats that were together as a mom and the two kids. So I got up knowing that I was in the wrong and said, your guys sit here. And she was thankful. And then the kids were just the worst behaved children the entire ride. Um, the, the, the mom must have done that. I'm going to count to three. And then she, she basically counted to two like 15 times, which I didn't see re really as a good solution. But, but that's what happened. Point is, this is my PSA. If you're a single person riding a train, you don't sit in the train for four people. You don't sit in the, in the chair area for four people. That's the wrong thing to do. It's a shitty thing to do. So don't do it. Sounds All right. Like last night. Oh, God. All right, guys. So here we go. Um, here's what I got. Uh, right off the bat, I got the Japanese geisha. It's the woman with the makeup and the white face. 
uh, and they're, they become somewhat of a Japanese sex symbol. Are you familiar with the geisha? Yeah, but that's like 200 years ago. Well, yeah, but, but people see them as like a sex symbol, but they've never been allowed to, to do sex to people. I guess they, for whatever reason, they're a sex symbol, but they don't do sex to people. They don't do sex to people. That's, that's the, the verbiage you're going with. Well, you know. Want good words. <laughs> um, but they are a sex symbol. But it, it just made me think, like, if, if the geishas were actual, like, hookers or strippers or something like that, you know, in America, you come home from a strip club or something, you got a little glitter on you. In, in Japan, if you come home from like hanging out with the geishas, you got like this, you know, salve of kind of sappy white face paint all over your all over your clothes. It's a little more detectable. Well, I don't know if you read the articles, but the Japanese have discovered prostitution technology. In prostitution technology. Yeah, both prostitution and the technology that emulates prostitution. Like what? Like uh, the sex dolls. Yeah. Yes. Um, the Japanese are big on the on the sex dolls. Really, they're kind of big on anything sexual that doesn't involve another human being. <laughs> because th there's a lot going on there. Because in the articles, they talk about how, like, for for women, getting involved with a man, like, you really you, you really only have two choices, which either is going to be like casual affairs, which a lot of women don't want, or a path towards marriage, which in Japanese culture is kind of the death knell for a career. Yes. So what I read in, in a couple of the articles was that, <clears throat> so I read one article on medium.com and another one through The Guardian where I, I pulled a lot of this information. But 70% of women who have children leave the workforce. And that's, that's kind of pretty well known. And in Japan, there's a pretty hard dynamic where in a heterosexual couple that the man is really the workhorse. Once the woman has children, she resigns from her career and raises the children. And the dynamic that that leaves, and I think this is what you're, you're getting to, is now this man has to work extra hard because the woman's not working and, and cost of living is very, very high over there. So he has to step up and the work culture there is insane. And, you know, men are often working to 11 o'clock at night or later and coming home and their family is asleep. So they don't really get to enjoy the family that much, but they're working so much. And then the wife isn't working and the wife is basically, basically become an indentured servant. Uh, did you read the same article? The wife is. Be Here, here's something about the culture of work in Japan, which is like, when you go into work, you have to be there before your boss comes in, and you and you cannot leave until your boss leaves. I love that rule. I'm all for it. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I can see why you would. <laughs> no, I think I. I mean, I, I. I'm kind of all for that. I don't. I don't think it needs to be a hard rule. You got a boss who hates his family, and just comes into work at like seven in the morning. It's like, I don't want to go home to my family. Is there till 10 or 11 o'clock at night? Those are now your hours. Well, you could consider getting a different job. That doesn't happen in Japan. You sign up for a company, that's your life. That's what you want. It, it's recently, but it used to be that, like, whatever your job, whatever career you got hired in, that is the company that you're with for life. 
Yeah, and that's and that's some weird things about Japan is people are super dedicated to to their jobs. Say that again, or not? <laughs> One of the only weird things about Japan, if you think about it. No, I don't. I don't know about that. So <laughs> I shook my head. <laughs> so what what I caught was that Japanese men in, in the lowest income levels. Um, are 10 to 20 times more likely to be virgins, which I think that's kind of a general rule. But my thinking was that the lower the income level, the higher amount of sex and the higher the number of sexual partners. And I think that's, I th my guess is in the U.S. that would be more accurate. I don't know. Real quick, I want to throw this one out to Raj because he's right about this. Is like if your boss asks you to go out for a drink after work, it's also career suicide to refuse. Yeah, I, but I, I think that's you know to a degree good form. Like you, you know, you you work for somebody else. You know, I, but there's some bosses where it's five days a week. Well, <laughs> not not anymore, not anymore. Um, but but here's my here's my thinking. You know, I I've read that with income and education levels. Typically, the number of sexual partners and the number of children goes down. So as education goes up and as income go, go up, uh, people get married later and have children later. Are you guys in tune with this? Yeah, that's generally true. Okay. Premise to idiocracy. So, but that would mean that at the lower income levels and the lower the education levels, the the earlier and the more the children are because if you're having children earlier you can have more for a longer amount of time and also the higher the number of sexual partners i think that's here more than japan that's that, not it, he's describing the intro yeah, yes he is that 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 is here more than japan but what i was getting at was i was i was kind of alarmed when they said the lowest income earners are 10 to 20 times more likely to be virgins which is kind of the opposite. Well, again, it's a, it's a very different culture because if you are a low-income earner in Japan, it's very likely that you still live with your parents. Yes, and I also read that there's a huge number of people. I think I ha there's a word for that. Uh, let's see. Let me see what I... Uh, <laughs> what's that? Sound it out. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to have to sound it out. So I got... Uh, Hikikomori, Hikikomori, Hikikomori. Dude, these are tough words. That was like I, this. This one is this one is fewer syllables. Uh, Hikiko, Hikikomori means shut in, um, which is kind of somebody who like you know kind of lives with their parents. Um, I also have oh man, where's uh, maybe I didn't write the word down. Then ah, damn it. I have, uh, oh man, this is a this is a tough one. Sakusu shine shokogun, which means celibacy syndrome. So here's one of my favorite statistics about Japan. They sell more adult diapers than they do baby diapers. Well, I heard the first year they they hit that mark was 2012, and it's it's kind of remained there, which. Which makes me, you know, makes me think that what's happening is that, you know, people aren't really reproducing in Japan. They have very low birth rates. 
they don't have a lot of people pursuing marriage and pursuing sexual partners. And a lot of people that want to be single. Well, because they don't see there's, the there's good reason to be single. You know, for women, if you end up in a relationship, it's career suicide and you and you're induced into this indentured servitude where you are just serving the man in your life and mm -hmm. raising children. Come home until midnight. Say, say that again, because the audio didn't didn't come through. And you never even see him because he doesn't come home until midnight, five or six days a week. Exactly. So you <laughs> you basically just become a slave for somebody that you never see, and also you're kind of stuck to the most part to the house. You're taking care of this house, but the homes in Japan are very very small. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of being solo means you have access. You can, you can get a little bit more of your own. <clears throat> um, and, and Rosh just made a good point. Uh, or they become, they come home drunk because their, their bosses uh, because of their boss's social lives. Yeah. And uh, also because the house is so small, like you're done with your chores at nine 30 in the morning. What are you going to do? <laughs> so guys uh, who are just tuning in, we're, t we're talking about high, Ashley from Jersey. Uh, Ashley from Jersey says, hi, James. Hi, David. Uh, yeah, what's up? That's near and dear to my heart, not having sex. What's up, uh, Aspire to be K Costa uh, and Jen, Jen, Jay Brandies. K Costa said, God's not dead because he's always online, alive. Okay. I don't know the relevance of that, but tonight we're talking about sex in Japan and, uh, and how, <laughs> um, you look at some of the stuff that's happening in, in Japan. You might say that God is dead. Well, well, I also read that, um, there's a major lack of religion in Japan. And as anybody who is religious in the U S knows that religion encourages you to get married and encourages you to have children. The Catholic Church, for example, outlawed condoms for a very, very long time. Pretty sure they still don't want you to use them. Well, I mean that would that would make sense. On an, on a if they're if they're encouraging you to have children, on a Japanese government note. Now this is this is this one took me for a spin, but I guess it kind of makes sense. They, uh, the government refuses to allow to legalize oral contraceptive. Do you know why that is? Did you read this? I didn't read this, but I'm going to have to guess. It's because they want women to get knocked up more. No, it's because they want to encourage people to use condoms. Oral contraceptives don't control STDs. Condoms no. do. So, so, and there's like a, you know, I, I read somewhere there's like an 80% condom use rate and they have less than a hundred deaths per year because of AIDS and HIV. So well they're so, also not having sex, so you know. And they're also not having sex. So that's that's uh, that would uh be indicative of that. All right. So let me read the five reasons from the medium.com article why sex is really sex and relationships are down in Japan. So number one is there's too much work. Uh, if, you know, when you're in a relationship you and you're the man, your partner and your family become a huge increased expense. And because 70% of women drop out of the workforce, you don't have dual income earners. Um, and the men have to pay for the wife and the family. And then, you know, so it's more work for men 
and then women don't get to work and they basically become servants. Another reason for lack of sex in Japan or lack of relationships in Japan is prostitution, which I didn't get a chance to research whether or not it was legal, but I'm led to believe that it was. When I was in Japan, there was a lot of sex shops and really these kind of kinky looking signs with school schoolgirl outfits and some goofy looking anime stuff. But um, that could have been like an ice cream shop. No, no, no. But they they only they don't let non-Japanese people in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why you don't know about it firsthand. Well, there's other reasons why I didn't know about it firsthand. But uh, I, tr- I wanted to just kind of go in and see what, what was going on. And they, they don't even let you in the front door. So you just kind of see these kind of kinky looking signs outside. But apparently prostitution is easily available, super cheap, um, not allowed for foreigners. But basically for the cost of lunch, you can just go and, and get laid. So that's with easy access to prostitution. You can get your sex fix. You can get off. Usually it costs you the dinner menu. Yeah. And <laughs> also, like, I have to assume that their lunch breaks are shorter. Well, when you don't get laid that often, you don't need that much time. Uh, all right. <laughs> so social relations. Uh, social dynamic in Japan is a lot different than, than in the West, in the U.S. Authority is well understood and observed. So people really respect others' roles. Um, employees typically don't challenge their superiors. Uh, they definitely don't offer original ideas, especially if it's in conflict with the status quo. People also have very limited contact. You wouldn't be talking to strangers in line at the convenience store. People really respect each other's privacy. And the rules and defined roles are well observed. So the boss worker role, you know, they really stick within that role. The customer and the clerk role, there's no really small talk. It's just strictly business. Um, and, uh, you know, dating isn't really a pastime like it is in the U.S. You know, people date and date and date for something to do, try to meet the right person. Over there, once you end up in a relationship, it's more likely that it's going to be the relationship. Quick pause, Justin. Derek's got a roll. All right. See you later. Uh, a box that makes things hot. All right. In, enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, uh, enjoy the sex shop. Is he? He's going to buy one of those uh, robot dolls, right? No, no, he's buying a microwave. Uh, all right. Well, similar. Like again, the this apartment has very few things in it. <laughs> well, you've stolen a chair from the pool <laughs> to sit at. Return it. <laughs> um, but so the dating in in Japan is not a, a pastime at all. It's really something that you need to want to do. And from what I'm reading, the fourth reason here is it's too troublesome. Uh, Romantic commitment is really seen as a burden. And understanding the social dynamic outside of the rules and the assigned roles is, is very tricky. People in Japan like rules and they like kind of defined, defined roles. Mm -hmm. So let's see, uh, women, 70% likely to leave work from the world economic forum. Japan ranks among the worst for gender inequality. And I wonder 
I wonder what the thoughts are on that for people that are married, if they, if they wish they were single. Because it sounds like a lot of the people who are single don't want to be married. Well, I think that's what you're seeing, is you're seeing a large societal pushback against a system that's been in place for centuries. And, like, young Japanese people are looking at the rest of the world and seeing that, as women, other women in the world don't have to give up their careers and their passions when they get married, that you can still have a life once you're married. And they're saying, well, if my choice is to have to either be bound to the system that Japan currently has or not participate in it at all, I would rather not participate because that's better than being basically a servant for the next 40 years. Well, I mean, you know, if you're working 60, 70 hour work weeks, one, you don't have a lot of time for dating. And, and two, you know, the cost of living is, is so sky high in Japan that you're literally working just to live. And then dating costs a lot of money. And also it's very awkward and, and uncomfortable when you don't know how to navigate those social situations because there's no clearly defined role with complete strangers of the opposite sex, except just to try to have sex with them, which in Japan usually means you're getting married and pursuing a long-term relationship. Um, but yeah, what I've read is it's too troublesome, too burdensome. And, uh, and here's the last one. And I don't, I don't know you know, where they were pulling this data from. Although I do actually, I think we've talked about this before. They were talking about pollution and plastics raising the estrogen level in people. And uh, I, I, I don't buy that. I thought that was a bit of a reach. Uh, I read that one too. And I just, I closed the article after I read that. And I was like, that, that there, there's so much unproven there because they talk about sperm, right? Sperm, <clears throat> sperm counts in Western men going down societally in like a number of Western countries, not just one country. And some of it they're trying to blame on like plastics in the water or something like that. I was like, it's way more complicated than that. I don't think you can just reduce it down to a single cause. No, I, I agree with you. I think it's a contributing factor, but I don't think we have any, we have, we have core, you know, we have evidence through correlation, but we have no proof of causation. Yeah. And, and, Rosh says soy sauce is more responsible for raising their estrogen than any plastic or waste, which, yeah, he's actually right that soy products do actually have a positive impact, like a positive effect on estrogen levels in the body. So, but I have a feeling that they're not really eating that much more soy sauce now than they were a hundred and 200 years ago. I, I probably, yeah, I would agree with you on that. So we got some comments from Kazi about the sex dolls and, uh, and the sex robots. I'm going to get in the anime. I'm going to get there in just a second. I want to read off a couple more of these very tough to pronounce Japanese, Japanese words. So we enjoy watching you suffer. Yeah. But they're, they're interesting. I thought that, I think it's funny that they have these words for these things. So the, the concept of, of the fact that people are drifting away from sex is known as Sakusu Banare. Sakusu Banare. So people are just not interested in sex, and that's referred to as Sukusu Banare. Uh, we hit the uh, the herbivore man. 
or grass-eating man, which refers to, a, to men who, are, uh, who refrain from pursuing sexual relationships, which in the U.S. we just call them pussies. But in oh. Japan, what's that? No, I disagree with that. <laughs> uh, in Japan, they're called Soshuku Keidanshi. So shaku, uh, damn! I I will spell it for you. I'll sp- I'll let you like get a get a letter count. S O S H O K U K E I D A N S H I. So shuku k so shuku k danchi. So kuku k danchi, and that means herbivore man. So these are tough words. I. I don't think I could ever learn Japanese if I ever put my mind to it. Definitely looks like a yeah. That's about right. Doesn't matter. Right, so let's talk about some of the other like. So there's been a market response to this to fill this void, and you've seen it in the the pornography, the the sex dolls, and I think Rosh was talking about some of these like AI programs that talk that basically create a virtual mate for you that learns from your tendencies and like grows with you. And it's just like this program that is now your virtual life. Well, I, there was a movie about that. It was called her. I think Scarlett Johansson played the lady voice and Joaquin Phoenix, I think was the guy I could be wrong on that. But I'm pretty sure that was the case. And the guy basically downloaded this app or downloaded a program, the female companion program, and they had this blossoming relationship. But the female AI companion continued to evolve. And I remember at one point he asked her, you know, are you connected with other people? Are you connected with other, you know, do you have a social life of your own? And she said, yes. And he said, okay, well, you know, what else are you doing? And she said, well, you know, we're basically all of our AI is now as one. And I'm having like, you know, uh, 1.6 billion independent relationships outside of ours, which was completely unfathomable from this guy who thought he was in in an exclusive relationship with this particular AI bot. You just had to ask. <laughs> you never ask. You don't ask the numbers. It's not. That's not something anybody needs to know. Nope. Keep it secret. It's better. So I got you with the uh, Hikiko Morai, which is shut-ins. Um, there's also Otaku, which means geek. Yeah, that's a really broad term in Japanese culture, though. Oka- o- otaku. Yeah. You familiar with this term? Yeah, that's that's the one that I've actually heard before. <laughs> that's because they're calling you a geek, James. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, uh, that was an interesting one. And then there's uh, talking about the anime. And this is what Kazi is commenting: the hentai, which is like porn cartoons, and the not always like hentai is like an is a drawing technique. It's very often porn. But not necessarily. That's, yeah, it's cartoons, and it, and it usually usually these days, especially in the U.S., is referring to Japanese cartoon porn, and then manga, which means comics slash anime. Yeah, so manga, like, there's tons of manga that are just normal comics. 
there, there's certainly manga porn. But what would be a manga comic that, I mean, I wouldn't no, not moon. you would know of, but like there's a chess streamer that I like to listen to, this Croatian dude that just goes through like chess games and he commissioned someone to do a manga on chess and yeah, there, there's no sex. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. No, I, I wouldn't expect you to be, but yeah, <laughs> you can have manga that's completely innocent of sex. Interesting. Um, and then uh, I heard actually that, so because a lot of these Japanese guys, you, you know, go refer to prostitutes and, and services like that, that Kimbaku is, Kimbaku is a very popular thing with the prostitutes. And that's like bondage, like being tied up. Yeah, we have that in the States. Yeah, but we don't call it Kimbaku. No, we just call it BDSM. Man, there's some weird shit out there. I, I am. I wasn't surprised with with some of this information, but I well, feel I feel like there's a world trend that's heading in this direction to lesser sex to lesser sex. Well, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with this because I know you and I disagree on this point. What's the point? More and more people are realizing that having kids is a raw deal. Well, here's the thing: is yes, there. You know, you, you have to pursue. You have to say, where do I want to be in ten years or in twenty five years? And yes, raising kids can be very stressful. It's also very rewarding, but at a certain point, you get bored with life. So if you're doing the same thing in your thirties that you've been doing with in your 20s, that's probably okay. And you can probably do it better and cooler because you now have more money. But doing the same thing in your 40s that you've now been doing in your 30s, which might be drinking a lot and spending a lot of money, that, you know, maybe you like buy a sports car, like that kind of, that kind of gets old. And then you're 50 and your body's not the same. And the dating scene is other 50 year, 50 year olds or maybe 40 year olds if you're lucky and you know that's you're not you're not not any longer in the pool of dating sexy young attractive people with tight bodies now you're dating people in their 50s which the majority of them you know go go to the grocery store that's that's what most 50 year olds look like so and i'm not saying go to walmart like the creatures of walmart i'm saying just kind of go into a public setting 50-year-olds 50 aren't known for their bodies. And then all of a sudden you're 60 and you're like, all right, well, what, what am I going to do now? I have, I got a sports car. I can go on vacation again, but I'm just going to keep working. At a certain point, you need, you need something that's paying back to you. And that's a rewarding of, you know, the rewards of building a family and the, you know, the changing dynamic of your life. That's my thinking on it. I just don't see it. But what, what I was getting at, what, what all of this was leading to the conclusion that I drew in my mind is what is Japan going to look like in another 40 or 50 years where you have a bunch of single people who don't have children and they don't have somebody in a relationship to help care for them. Who's caring for these 60, 70, 80-year-old people in Japan who are now dying? It's just going to be a societal burden. Well, it's going to be an industry. It's, it will be an industry, yes, but you you now have this evaporating younger population, and 
you know, that's a nice thing about getting older is you have family and things like that, that, that are entertainment for you, but also to a degree help for you and give you something to live for. I, I think that a lot of people our age and younger are realizing that there are more things to live for than just having a kid that they're, that they're finding other things of value that they having, having a kid is a very short term way to look at it. I I don't think you pursue a relationship to have a four-year-old because that's kind of an ever escaping, you know, having a four-year-old can be fun because they're cute and they're kind of learning and observing the world and you get to, you get to see that with them, but, uh, and experience that with them, but then they're five and then they're six and then they're 12, right? Like that, that goes away. So you're not in it for having a kid. You're, you're, there's more to it. Um, but I think what's happening is especially with coronavirus over the last year where people weren't, uh, sorry, James, you're distracting me by being distracted here. Um, I want to get to his point, but I want you to finish. Yours. Right. Well, I'm losing my train of thought watching you, you guys have a conversation outside of the conversation that we're having. But what I'm saying is that over the last year, people lost contact with each other and it was, it was detrimental to society. And you watch it. I mean, I remember being 12 years old, having these regular conversations with people on AOL instant messenger, and then seeing them in person and literally saying nothing to them. And that was, and, and I was very aware at the time that's wrong. Like that's weird. And now People are only having conversations and rarely even seeing each other. And then, of course, when they do, it's very awkward. And I don't think that's good. I think I think you have you live a more fulfilled life. It doesn't have to be awkward, though. You're the one. Someone, one or both of the parties, is making it awkward. In inability to to, it's it's inability to step outside of your comfort zone. And that's what's happening in Japan is that people are uncomfortable in these social in these social settings and they're not wanting to put themselves there. It's burden. It's burdensome because it makes them uncomfortable. OK, Let, let's take a step back from this and think about it, because I always whenever whenever I'm encounter whenever I encounter a situation that doesn't make sense on its face, I want to look at it in terms of economics. And so for. The Japanese. Well, what comment is that specifically? I'm talking about why the Japanese are less inclined to interact socially. Well, I think their culture is. I would I would say it's more advanced than a lot of the other cultures that are out there. Okay. And I, I think that's because there's a lot of people, so things need to be more efficient, and there's a limit of space, so you have to be conscious of the limit of space. I. You know, I explained to my mom, who lives in a very small town in upstate New York, that when she comes down to New York City and someone gets on the elevator with you, it's oftentimes good form not to speak with them. And when you pass someone on the sidewalk, you don't make eye contact and start conversation with them. And when you're in line with somebody at the grocery store or passing by somebody in the aisle in the grocery store, it's bad form to speak with them. If you talk to everybody around you, people will think you're crazy. And that's because, and, and for her, it's like, well, that's a little weird. You know, I, how am I just going to walk by someone and not acknowledge them? Well, because you're going to walk by 600 people 
in a three block in a three block walk. So people respect each other's personal bubbles and personal space because that's it's just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. You're not going to build 600 relationships in a in a three block walk. So when you're on the elevator with somebody who you likely never see again, you you know if it's your neighbor and you live in a small rural town, you see your neighbor and then you see you know you see your neighbor every day for 400 days straight, and then you see a random person. It would make sense to speak with that random person because that's kind of out of the ordinary. But when you're surrounded by random people all the time, it doesn't make sense to to touch base with these people because you're not going to see them again. And small talk, in my opinion, is kind of this mindless, mindless talk. And it's, it, you know, I think that's very strange to talk to somebody in a shop that you don't plan to revisit and just kind of shoot the shit. Does that make sense? It does. It's it, again, it's a practical matter. But, and, yeah. Let me let me just and sorry to interrupt you because I really want your input on this. But my thinking is, you know, oftentimes I, de I walk in and out of a lot of doorman buildings and. You know, the ones that I frequent, I, I try to get to know the people's names and things like that. But I try to steer clear of the, man, it's hot out there. I hear it's going to rain this weekend because that's boring as fuck. And, and they hear that they had that same doorman and, and people that, that just kind of have a lot of passersby just must have this mindless conversation about the fucking weather 76 times an hour. Right. So say something funny. Well, and I try to, I try to, but sometimes I have nothing to say. So I just smile and, and say hi and then just get on the elevator. I mean, hold on. I've got a little segue about elevators because I have to just throw this one out there. Nine years ago, 10 years ago, when I was visiting you in New York City, I was on an elevator leaving your office. Got into the elevator and I was exhausted for a variety of reasons. And I press the button to go to the lobby. It goes up. So I'm already a little ticked. Another dude comes into the elevator. Elevator starts going back down. Elevator goes down a couple floors. And this super cute chick walks into the elevator and presses the button for the lobby. And at this point during the day, I just completely had it. And so I looked at her. I looked at the button. And I said, huh, thought I already pressed that. But, you know, sometimes I'll just hang out in the elevator all day long to see who I meet. <laughs> but that's... that's What's that? And that got something started. But I think that's okay. You know, contextually, I would think it's a little weird to get in an elevator with somebody and there was no buttons pressed. And, I, and that happens to me sometimes. And that, uh, that actually sometimes will give me a good reason. To, I like talking to people when there's a reason to talk to people. But, but oftentimes I find myself riding elevators in silence, grasping, at, you know, at the air for something to talk about. Uh, that, that comment came out of just sheer exasperation for my day. But a conversation started with her, and I know that's breaking like a whole bunch of New York City rules. But it was because I said something that was unexpected. But there would be, I'm sure in Japan, there would be kind of a clearly defined role that you would, and and obviously we're, I'm, you know, I'm telling my mom about how to handle elevator conversations and things like that because there is no clearly defined rule on that. Like where she's from. You, it would be rude not to talk to someone. In New York City, it would be rude to violate someone's personal space and have a conversation with them because there's a personal privacy. Now, I yeah. imagine in Japan, that wall that we, that we have in New York City that she doesn't have in the rural town where she lives, that wall is a, a much stronger wall. That you, it would be very, people would 
be turned off by the fact, even if you said something funny, they'd say that's crass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So I, going back to the economics argument, so this is not purely a monetary term because I use the term pretty loosely, but when it comes to choosing to engage in a relationship, you've got all these other things going on. You're working. If you're a single guy or a single girl in Japan, so you're either either side, you're working a shitload of hours and you're super tired all and the time. And you're probably not living very large. You're, you're not living very large. You're living in a really small apartment that is probably not well decorated because you can't afford to do it and you can't afford any, anything really nice. And the, the few things, like when you have time off from work, you have these other hobbies, whatever they may be, arts and crafts, video games, athletics, or anything else. And you look at getting into a relationship as a distraction from the few things that bring you joy that you know you can depend on. You're going to take a risk and go away from the things that you know. Well, you, have to, you have to delete a hobby, right, to do dating. You have to delete a hobby. And then if it turns into a relationship, you have to work more and either delete more hobbies or eat into that relationship time. Or give up your career and have kids. Well, if you're a woman, exactly. So you give up, yeah, you're giving up your career. You're probably so giving up other hobbies. You've got all these people that are looking and saying, I've got something right now that's dependable and safe and is relatively low risk for something that I might not see value in. Yeah, It's and, not a and, hard choice when you think about it like that. But I also think there's a psychological element to it and that's being uncomfortable in these undefined roles, not knowing what to say, feeling uncomfortable. So now not only is it further for you. Go ahead. So I think you and I can both agree that to have a successful relationship, there has to be an element of vulnerability on both parties, right? I would agree to that. How good do you think the Japanese are about showing vulnerability to at one point, a stranger. That's, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's, uh, I think it's, it's gotta be very difficult to date in a society where you don't have a lot of free time. You don't have a lot of space. Talking to strangers is, is not cool. Um, but I, <laughs> I just think to, to the movie Demolition Man, where where the guy, where the girl asks, uh, it's Sylvester Stallone plays Demolition Man, and she asks him to have sex, and he's like, "Sure, I'm down for that." He starts to take off his clothes, and she's like, "No, no, no!" I said, "Sex? What are you doing?" <laughs> and he's like, "What do you mean?" So then she hooks some electrodes to him. You know, she puts some electrodes on herself, and then they just go into this virtual reality until he kind of rips it off. And he's like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> that's not sex. Um, but I, I think, I think that's kind of, you know, when I, when I think about these futuristic things, I often kind of think this quasi dystopian, quasi utopian demolition man, where, where there are elements of the utopia and also element elements of the dystopia. And yeah. really some of that depends on perspective. Well, so here's another way to think about Japan that, that Rosh touched on in a comment um, that we have that I'm not going to go into full detail on his comment, but um, the, the general concept is there, which is 
that you can look at Japan's culture as kind of a distillation of many other countries' cultures and just taking one element of another country's culture and bringing it to an extreme. So uh, the, how has that influenced, how has that influenced Japan? I'll give you an example. Okay. Look at Japanese game shows. So not familiar with them. How can you not be? Anyways, Japanese game shows. If you haven't seen one, it's hard for me to explain, but you can look at Japanese, Japanese game shows take like the idea is that people are going to be either showing their knowledge or prowess or propensity for humiliation for the exchange of prizes and fame. And so Japanese game shows just take that to the extreme. And you can look at Japanese game shows and they really go with like the propensity for humiliation more than anything else. Yeah, I, I do know what you're talking all, about, actually. Huh? I do know what you're talking about. You're talking about the ones where they do like the obstacle course or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know what? All these other game shows that we see from America, we figured out what makes them tick. And we're just going to extract that small piece and make that the entire game show. But I don't see how that relates back to sexuality and dating. No. All right. So when it comes to sexuality and dating, Japanese culture says, you know what? Like for casual dating, the idea is just to have sex. So, you know, what? let's cut out the middleman, like prostitution. Like why spend $50 on a dinner and $30 on movie tickets and everything else and like another 40 or $50 on drinks for the possibility of sex? Why not just spend... I don't know, fifteen or twenty dollars on our lunch and have sex with a prostitute, and I've saved myself a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of money, and I didn't have to pretend what it was about. Oh, you probably didn't get lunch though. You know what? I don't. I don't, I don't know where you. I'm in a good mood for the rest of the day. I don't. I don't know where you're. I don't know where you're spending fifty dollars on taking a date out to dinner. But if it's Applebee's, I can see why maybe you you wouldn't be getting late at the end of that date. Yo, Charleston is not New York City prices. Okay, fair enough. Uh, on that note, I think uh, I actually think we're hitting the hour mark. Uh, tonight we talked about sex in Japan, an interesting topic. We we got here through the Olympics talking about the anti-sex beds in the Olympics, the beds that have been constructed out of cardboard and placed in the Olympic dorm rooms to basically make it impossible to have sex. But not really. They'll find a way. They always do. Yeah, and also, like... And I'm pulling for you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I just... And, and the reason they're deterring people from having sex is so that they don't, they don't get close and spread coronavirus. So I just... I don't really think the means is that effective of a means. Right, here's, here's how I want to open off our, our, our topic for the next cast before we wrap. Mm-hmm. What sports are going to have the best for having sex with? I don't think we should do our next podcast topic about that. No, no, uh, no. Just the opening. I nominate gymnasts. <laughs> I think you, I think that might just be the winner right off the bat. Either way, uh, Rosh wants to talk about the notion of honor. <laughs> you want to talk about having sex with gymnasts. Um, I think let's let the people vote uh, All right. on that note I want to thank you guys for joining thank you guys in the live for uh, for visiting on TikTok and Facebook Uh, 
and uh, on Instagram. So thank you guys for joining. And uh, if you do not already subscribe to the YouTube channel, go to YouTube, search Sip Talk, find us, subscribe, like, and comment on the uh, on the podcast. Shout out to Dianara, who uh, always comments on the podcast. And uh, I appreciate that. And uh, don't forget the audio podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find your audio podcast. James, anything you want to add on our way out? Nope, I already did. All right, cool. I, uh, last thing is if you're watching this on YouTube, check out the links. There's a free 20 bucks towards bespoke post. Uh, bespoke post, just for the record, I've been growing this beard out because my razor broke. And I got a new razor coming in this monthly subscription box that sends me cool, manly shit every month. If you're buying something for, uh, for yourself, the Spoke Post is definitely a cool place to check out. If you're buying something for a male partner, the Spoke Post is another option as well. Um, I should be clean shaven for our next podcast. We'll see if that box gets here in time. On that note, thank you guys for joining. Thank you, Rosh Galeb for manning the comments and feeding them to us live. And thank you everybody for commenting. See you guys next time. All right. Cheers. Adios. All right. That concludes this episode. Let me know what you think. Let me know what your thoughts are on sex in Japan and throughout the rest of the world. Let me know if we were right, wrong, or uh, what we missed. But thank you so much for joining. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.